and welcome to Minute 7 of the Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Aaron Newworth of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Welcome back to the show, Aaron. Hey, back then. Hope, hope you're, you're, you're not too exasperated from, from traveling through New York and getting to the airport. Whichever airport it is, whether it's JFK or, or LaGuardia, we'll we'll never really know. Okay. All right. I'll I'll manage. I'll manage. maybe it'll be some Jersey airport just to get things really uh, really different. <laughs> Could be. So minute seven begins with Neil running through the airport and ends with Susan shushing Marty. So as we talked about yesterday, Neil gets to the airport and we see that he has two minutes to spare to catch his flight. Now, have you ever tried getting catch a flight even pre 9-11 two minutes before the flight's supposed to take off i i think that's just way too crazy for them to to even show that he's attempting this yeah not from like arriving literally there to getting to the gate <laughs> there's certainly <laughs> been like 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 rush from the security to like the gate to some degree but even then it's usually like there's still a line that i have to wait in but yeah not that's the so like he's absolutely getting there at the last minute yeah completely i mean that's just complete that that's just nuts I, I i mean i know that they're trying to do it for 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 comic reasons but still it's just way too much mm-hmm like I said, even pre nine eleven, you you could get to the airport maybe a half hour before or whatever it is, but not two minutes before your flight's supposed to take off. I, I think that's just uh, they they went a little too far with that one. It's completely absurd. So we see Neil running down the corridor of of the airport. It says that he's in Concourse F. Now LaGuardia only has four terminals, and JFK has eight. So my assumption is is that it must be. That he's in JFK, which he's supposed to be. But they use LaGuardia's exterior. Yeah, exactly. And as as he's running down this corridor, he he's actually very polite. He's saying, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me." He says, "Excuse me," actually four times along the way. And he's, you know, I I don't know if if someone who's gone through everything that he's gone through up until now would be in such a polite mood trying to catch that airplane. And as he's running down the the airport, I think he's he's presumably had time to calm himself down, <laughs> but but at the same time, yes, he's the. So, <laughs> I tend to look at Steve Martin as maybe the villain of this movie. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the perspective I have on this a lot of times. Uh, so it's like he really does go back and forth between like how much of a dick he is uh, <laughs> at various times, yeah, based off how exacerbated he is by the circumstances around him. And at an airport at this point, yeah, he's in a rush for sure. And yes, I don't know how likely it would be that he'd be more polite than he was earlier. Um, but that's not what it is. Yeah, and, and then we get to hear on the, the PA system, your attention, please, your attention, please. Mid-Central Flight 909 to Chicago O'Hare has been delayed. All passengers awaiting further information should contact the ticket agent. Now, again, we're talking about the plane is supposed to leave at 6. They're just announcing at 6 that the plane is being delayed. At, at usually when a plane takes off at least in my experience when you when you're when you're flying somewhere and you're you're getting on the plane you're sitting on the plane maybe 10 15 minutes at least before the plane takes off so 
why are they announcing it as you know they're announcing it let's let's give him and presumably they could presumably they could see the plane outside the terminal so they know it's if it's there or not to begin with like with just the regular passengers like and <laughs> let alone all the numbers in the world that can tell you like if this plane is going to be on time if it's not even there yet Gonna be, yeah, you would you would be waiting to like I wonder if the, I wonder if we're taking off on time. I can't see the plane sitting right out there outside the window right now, but maybe we'll be on time still. I don't know. Right. Not until somebody announces it one minute before I'm supposed to be taking off, <laughs> or one minute after you're supposed to be taking off. Because again, we'll, we'll we'll give them the fact that it takes him a minute to to get to the terminal. You know, sure. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little crazy. So then uh, at that point, you see the ticket agent changing the sign to, to say delayed, you know, back in the back in the days when, you know, they didn't have digital and it was all analog. You just had to change the cards, you know, of all the information and stuff like that. And at this point, we then see a house in Chicago, which there's snow falling all around it. It looks like it's getting a little bit heavier. Maybe. Don't know. There are 15 windows in this house. That's just unbelievable how big this house is. It says a lot about Neil, and he must be good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get. I get that sense from just the way he's dressed, where he has, this, you know, his nice hat, his nice jacket. Like, he, you know, he, he he gives this very much this '80s businessman vibe. And given the way he talks about what he does, to the extent that he does, you get, yeah, you get the sense that he's an overworked executive. Um, that has means that's also right put himself in a certain position in life exactly. where he can he can afford to be a <laughs> when he wants to be apparently <laughs> while still having ideally still having like a sweet center since he does want to just like get home to his wife and kids yes for christmas no, for thanksgiving Sorry for Thanksgiving. I always, I always, I always confuse it with this movie. Maybe because I just don't care enough. It's like, yeah, it's home for holidays, whatever. Like, but it's, and since and since we don't like tech, we don't really see the holiday since it like ends before it. So like, I don't think about it as like which holiday it is. Just like, yeah, it's winter. Right. Okay, holidays, but the, people do whatever. talk about Thanksgiving along the way. You know, we well in a few weeks we'll get the gobble. They gobble. do, yeah. yeah. So sure. <laughs> so yeah. then we we see a woman sitting at a table with three kids. And they're they're eating spaghetti and meatballs. That's what it looks like, at least. And then the the young girl says, "When are grandma and grandpa and grandma and grandpa gonna come?" So I I find that really funny. You know that that you know she refers to both sides as grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa, because usually there's some sort of differentiation. You know, even if you're even if you're using uh, the same terminology, you would say, "Okay, when is Grandpa Aaron and Grandpa Rob coming?" You know, things like that. It wouldn't be. Yeah. You know, when are grandpa and grandma and grandpa and grandma and grandpa? And the response is, they'll be here tomorrow, tomorrow, honey. And then she goes, mom, yeah. Do you think grandpa Walt is going to give me a noogie? At this point, she differentiates who is grandpa, which grandpa is grandpa Walt. He's going to give me a noogie. Do you, now, do you know what a noogie is? I know what a noogie is, yes. You want to explain to people what a noogie is? That is a... <laughs> Sure, that that is taking the basically the knuckles of your hand and and um ru and <laughs> violently rubbing it up as you give them, as you keep them in a headlock and stuff like that. Yeah, you generally hold them in place so they can't immediately escape you. Yeah. <laughs> doing this. It's also known as a Dutch rub, which the that version is meant to cause people pain and humiliation, as opposed to the noogie is just meant more or less for fun, that type of thing. 
I, I actually found it very interesting. This is actually, it comes from a Yiddish or Hebrew word. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Nugi, yeah. <laughs> the Yiddish word is nudzin, which means to badger. And the Hebrew word is nugget, which means to afflict. So I, I found that mm. interesting that it comes from that. And then her response to her is, of course, he's going to give you a nugi. He loves to give you nugis. <laughs> and, and then she says, that's how he tells you how much he loves you. So then you have the little boy who's played by Matthew Lawrence. The, the girl was, was, is played by Olivia Burnett, who was 10 when they made this movie. She only has six movie credits. And she was actually on three episodes of Quantum Leap. And she actually played Sam's sister in one of them. And the other two, they were just random characters and other episodes that she was in. So the, the boy is Matthew Lawrence, who was seven when they filmed this movie. He's a little more popular. He was in, he has 36 credit TV credits, 28 movie credits. He was also in Mrs. Doubtfire. He was in Boy Meets World for 69 episodes. And he was also in the TV show, Give Me a Break with Nell Carter, where he played the little kid. Okay. Now, one of the things that I was wondering about is how, why are they eating dinner at this point? You know, if Neil is at the airport and it's six o'clock, that means it's five o'clock in Chicago. Now they get it right that it's dark yeah. in Chicago, but most people don't sit down on a regular night and eat dinner at five o'clock, at least not in my experience, you know. Uh, well, I, I know people all over the place that have dinner at different times, five o'clock for, especially for children, not the latest time to have, or not the earliest time to have dinner. Okay. Okay, not then, from my experience. Uh, we usually give my kids, you know, dinner at 6.30 or something like that. So that's why, to me, it sounded a little strange. But, okay, uh, you know, different people do different things, as you said. So I guess that makes sense. So then the little boy who's known as Neil Jr. says, why doesn't he give me noogies? And his mother's response is, because you get Indian burns. And he says, but I prefer noogies. Now, do you know what an Indian burn is? Yeah, that's where you one person takes their their hands and puts it on somebody else's arm and then like twists their hands back and forth to basically create a burning sensation. I'm curious if we still call it Indian burns today. There's probably a different word at this point. <laughs> it probably is. They actually the, do, do you know the origin of an Indian burn? I don't know. Did to, to, to have Sacagawea go to Lewis and Clark one day? I guess this check this out. <laughs> that would actually be really interesting if that's what they was did. A part, was a part was a part was a part of the was a part of the first Thanksgiving. <laughs> did Pocahontas present this? That that's actually very interesting. <laughs> so th this is not politically correct, but the the etymology of the the term Indian burn is because your skin becomes very red. So people then refer to it as, you know, yeah. a red-skinned Native American. And the, the another possibility of an explanation of it is it's actually a torture method that the Native Americans used to use. But we'll never know which, which, which it really is. So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting conversation that they're having here about, you know, what's going to be tomorrow when, when Grandpa and Grandpa get here. <laughs> Give me a noogie. Give me an Indian burn or whatever you want to give me along the way. So at that point, uh, the phone rings. And the first thing that, that uh, the woman says to her daughter is, keep an eye on your brother. And then she answers the phone and says, hello. 
And then as most kids, you know, she, her, her, her daughter gets a little annoying by saying, who is it? And then the mother says, where are you? And she goes, who is it? And then she shushes him, shushes her and tells her, you know, shh, be quiet. Stop bothering me. I'm on the phone. Now, do, do you recognize the the woman who plays uh, Neil's wife? Have you seen her in anything else before? Um, I couldn't. I was trying to place it too without looking it up. I can't. Right. I okay, so her name is Layla Robbins. She was born in 1959, uh-huh. which means that she was 38 when this movie was was made. Steve Martin is actually 14 years older than she is, because he was 52 when this movie was made. She has. God, Steve Martin's yeah, always been old. Apparently, <laughs> he's, he's like always been old. Steve. Apparently, but he's still great. So you know, he is still great. Yeah, it's just impressive how how long he's held That's on true. to like his kind of state of being. While like not like he doesn't seem a right. certain way. Okay. But anyway, go on. She has thirty three movie credits and forty seven TV credits. She was in An Innocent Man with Tom Selleck. She was in True Crime with Clint Eastwood. And she was in the movie Eye in the Sky with uh, Helen Mirren. And I know that movie. Yeah. You can place her. And okay. Plane Trains Automobiles was actually her her second credit that she ever got. So, you know, I I, I wonder why they decided to give her. I mean, to give her this part because the part was is actually in the full script. It's expanded much more than what we get to see in this movie. So you think that they would have given. This, I mean, you, you don't know yet. You're you're making faces that you know you're not sure. No one else can see that but me. There's a lot more of this character in the full script than we'll see in here. So, mm-hmm. like I say every day, I'm gonna say a little bit about the, the differences in the script because you know it's a very long original script that was actually supposedly completely filmed, but they cut it down. So one of the things that uh, they they talk about here is that uh, Neil is waiting in line at the ticket counter. And who's keeping him from getting in, getting, getting ahead in line? Dell, who's standing there at at the line, talking to the the agent about whether he wants a seat in smoking or non-smoking. And Neil goes on, uh, and Dell goes on about a whole, uh, a whole diatribe about, well, he's trying to quit smoking, so maybe he shouldn't be in the smoking section, or you know, or maybe they should give him the, the final row of the non-smoking section, so if he wants to smoke, he can get up and change seats with somebody and things like that. And it goes on a little too much. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read everything that he says in, in the script with this whole thing, but it really does go 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 along. I can see I can see Candy giving this yeah. spiel. Like <laughs> I wanted, niggas like, what well, if I want to do this, but I don't want to do this, but I, I, yeah. I, I And then by the time that Neil gets to the counter, the ticket agent decides that she needs to go on a break, and you know closes <laughs> closes down down her counter, which gets him a little frustrated. At this point, we get to see Neil's watch, which says it's five forty nine according to the, the script, which makes a little more sense than what they did in the movie. And then he gets to the security checkpoint. And once again, who's keeping everyone in line? Dell. And he's causing a delay. He keeps uh, beeping every time he goes through the metal detector, and they can't figure out why. And they, mm. they, they, they wand him all over the place, and they finally wand his foot. And it starts going crazy. <laughs> and it says, 
The guard lifts Dell's pant leg to reveal stuck in the back of his cushioned sole loafer a shoehorn. And he pulls it out. And he shows the shoehorn to Dell. And Dell says, son of a gun. I wonder why my damn foot hurt all day. So, again, I'm glad they cut this out. Like, these aren't bad bits, but, like, I get yeah. why you cut it out. But, like, the, the, I get it. I, I, can, I can see Hughes writing this for Candy. I can see him playing yeah, this off completely. really well. <laughs> I, I would love to see some of this footage. You know, it's, it doesn't look like we'll ever get to see that. But I just find it really funny. I mean, come on. If you had a shoehorn in your, in your shoe, you would notice. <laughs> yeah. That's why Candy would be. That's why Candy's great because yeah, you'd be able to sell. That's definitely it. true. <laughs> and that's true. And then Neil puts his briefcase through the X-ray machine, and you see that that it doesn't close. And when it, it comes out the other end, all of his papers are all screwed around, and he needs to like repack everything into his, his smashed briefcase, which he puts under his arm as he runs towards the gate. And at this point in the original script, they have a conversation between Dell and Neil which only comes a little later in, in the final cut. So we'll talk about that when we get to that t- tomorrow or the day and the day after. And then we see that uh, Dell once again causes even more problems at the ticket counter right before the actual, uh, where, where they're trying to get their seats on the plane. I understand why they keep cutting these out because it's just too much. You, you don't want, I, I mm-hmm. think part of this with this movie is they're trying to, to keep us, they, they want us to, to like the character of Dell. And if they were to have all of these things in in the, the movie, we would we would get very tired of him very quickly. You know, again, we're we're seven minutes into the movie. To have in seven minutes within the movie, have Dell completely drive us nuts is just too much. Yeah, no, I I agree, and it, it's part of the film's charm is the fact that Dell despite annoying Martin so much is the fact that he's yes. an endearing character. So yeah, you, if you have too many bits right here, it's going to throw off that yeah. balance pretty quickly. Completely. Cause he's just an obstacle. Right. And the conversation in the, the, with the family at the end is also very different. They don't have the whole thing with noogies and, and Indian burns and things like that. They're just, uh, they have a, a short little conversation. They actually name all the kids. Uh, the, the little kid is named Seth. And then you have Neil jr. And Marty. And those are the the names of of those children. You have anything else you want to say about this minute? Uh, no. no All right, great. Here. So today we're going to get an off the beaten track story from Aaron. Why don't you tell us some adventure or misadventure that you might have had at some point over your life? I'm pretty fortunate where the times I've needed to like travel somewhere tend to go pretty well. Um, this is like that doesn't mean like the flights are always amazing, but in terms of like me getting to them, never really struggled too much. I will say, actually, in relation to to, to Rob, um, I was flying back from Israel Ooh. back in two thousand eight. Um, yeah, and so this is more just on the flight antics. Uh, I had a middle seat, great, um, but also, <laughs> um, I had my in-flight movie choice, and. For whatever reason, I chose the Ooh. Green Mile. Um, well, when you're on a 10-hour <laughs> flight, a three-hour movie is not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's also like the Green Mile is a – like I hadn't – I've never seen it in full before at that point. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to watch the Green Mile for the first time. But watching the Green Mile is like – it's such an exhausting movie to watch on an airplane because <laughs> it's so like – you know, it's not like good things are happening in the movie. It's so such a – and I'm already like in this weird like tired zone because I'm flying. So it's like – 
why did I choose the Green Mile? Like, it's such a depressing story to watch. And I'm, like, drained just from being on an airplane to begin with. So it's like I have, like, so anytime I see the Green like, it's not one that I revisit very often because my head just doesn't, like, compute this movie the way it should. But that's, like, my, my impression of flying back home from Israel is, yeah, that's what I watched the Green Mile for three hours. And it was just this, like, this, like, weird, like, like, I just like zombie position I felt myself in as far as I couldn't, I'm in a middle seat watching this three hour depressing prison drama. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great story. That's that's one. I loved it. That's a great story. Thank you. Why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) For some reason I heard, or do you think people are having enough of you? I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully not because you have another three days of them to listen to. So, which I, which people should be looking forward to. We have exciting stuff ahead. Of course. But um, for now, uh, people can find my everything I do over at thecodeofzeke.com. That's my personal blog. I also write for Wise the Blue for we for um, Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. I cover movie reviews at We Live Entertainment. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4, and I host my podcast with my friend Abe called Out Now with Aaron Abe. We talk about weekly movie releases. All right, excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate and review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. To find me, all you do is just do a quick search, Movie Rob Minute. You can find it on Facebook, Twitter, you can find my website, or you can send me an email at movierobminute at movierob.net. So, Aaron, you want to come back in tomorrow? Let's do it. All right. Well, until tomorrow, you're fine.